You're listening to Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, a podcast about life through the lens of music. Welcome to the show. I am live in St. Louis in my subterranean refuge from COVID and everything else going on out there. My name is Jeremy, also known as J-Mac, and I am joined by my longtime friend. Sam Wade. I'm all the way out here in Los Angeles, California, staring down the barrel of stay-at-home orders possibly uh, for this weekend, so... Yeah, it's getting nuts. I mean, this this is going to be a little time capsule because, of, like, eventually people are going to be listening to this and there won't be COVID, but... It'll get to be a flashback, an unpleasant flashback to when we had we couldn't leave our homes and there's masks and it's, it's frankly kind of weird. I was in the the elevator with my with my wife and we were doing some I think we were like doing a financial transaction and there was mirrors in the elevator and I looked and both of us had masks on. It was a really weird feeling. I I said it seems like we're in a movie or something. It was really strange to see yourself in the mirrors in public with masks on. It was pretty pretty odd. It is pretty odd. Uh, I had a similar experience this week, actually. It was uh, looking back at some photos of a trip that uh, that me and my lady took earlier this year. And uh, when I looked back, there was like a selfie. We don't do selfies very often, you know, like a shot like that. But when the one from that trip, we were both wearing masks. And so I was I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, well, that kind of places it to that moment in time, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And that's why I think we should just roll with it. Because it's always fun, you know, I've been doing podcasting for years under different podcast names and things, and it's always funny to listen back, and it, it'll give you a flashback. I'm very audio-minded. I mean, I'm a visual guy in a certain sense, um, but I but I really remember audio. When I hear when I hear things, it really brings me back more so than visual. Uh, I don't know how you are, but yes, yeah, so I was reviewing some tapes today, some old recordings i was like wow it had been nine years since i did this this recording i was listening to today and it frankly it seemed like it had been 90 years it was so long ago wow that is an interesting thing to think about you know that's i love those types of things though especially like little time capsule moments or little like subtle details in in music or in movies or that just kind of you know it's not too obvious maybe but uh, sometimes it's just there um i actually saw one of those i was watching breaking bad this week Great right? show, great show. It is a great show, and it's uh, it's been a while since I've seen all the episodes, and you know it's still great. One of the best TV shows ever made. There was a couple times where I was like, oh, this could have been done a little bit better, maybe. But who am I to judge? It's a great show. Anyway, anyway, there was a scene where Saul Goodman is talking to Walter White, and Walter has a stupid plan for something, and. And uh, Saul uh, says to him, like, that's what the kids call epic fail. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, that place is this show in time, because that's not really something that's said anymore. But like in 2009 or 2010, that would have made sense. So, yeah, I'm down with things, man. Yeah. Epic fail doesn't really uh, I don't mean I guess like old guys like us say it thinking we're cool. (laughs) Uh, so we're, we're going to do a little bit of a different show today. The, the The platform of this show allows us to do various different things. And I'm going to talk a little bit about my personal journey with Parkinson's disease. Young onset, actually, I was diagnosed when I was 37. And I think it might give people a little insight. It'll give people a little insight into my life 
and what I deal with on a daily basis and maybe um, help them. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're out in public and you see somebody acting weird. And so instead of going, no, that guy's drunk or that lady's drunk, maybe there's something wrong with them. I, I was a big, um, before I got sick, I was always kind of afraid of people that I would see that, that looked odd or something. And having had Parkinson's has to, it's made me been a little more, I guess, a little more understanding. So I was, first of all, you got any questions before we get started? When- no, man, I think we should just roll with it. Like you said, I think that's a great setup. I, I will say, you know, for me, I'm really glad that we're doing a show about this because I feel like it's, uh, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about like our process on the show. We're going to be talking a lot about creative things and our, and the music that we make and music that we love and movies and all sorts of things. Right. And I feel like to really understand, um, who you are and where you come from and who we are as friends, this is part of it. And, uh, I'm excited to, to see, you know, what's revealed. First I say, of, let's get get into it, man. First of all, when did you find out I had PD? PD is short for Parkinson's disease. You know, um, it was an interesting moment that I learned this. Um, and it was kind of right before we started uh, um, talking again. It was like really close to that time when we started like actually like hanging out or chat, you know, chatting or whatever. Um, cause there was a whole time period where we didn't work on things. We were in different cities and things just weren't happening. And then there was a moment where you started to grow again. And this was like right before that, actually, I was standing in line waiting for, uh, an airline flight from Denver, Colorado to New York city. When I was looking for something to do on, you know, while I was waiting and I was looking through Facebook and I saw, um, one of your video posts that you do. Um, and it might have been the first one, actually. Um, and you posted, I think, through your music page, if I'm not wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, just just to give people a heads up, it's facebook.com slash Jeremy McDonald Music. There's my music and my, my, I guess, my personal blogs and stuff like that. So if you'd like to look it up, there's a lot of cool content on there. I think you should. Um, I think it's really good, dude. It's uh, There's a lot of insight on there that I think is just it's funny. First of all, it's funny um, and it is insightful. And you talk about more than than just all of this. Like you're talking about all of this is is what I mean. So so there, you know, I was standing in line and and I watched this video. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. No. And uh, it was uh, it just really hit me, and I was like, oh, this is interesting, right? That I've known some people who've had Parkinson's. Um, I didn't know them really well. Um, you know, and for me, I'll just say, you know, you're my lifelong friend who just happens to have Parkinson's. Um, and I say it that way because I think, you know, you, you hit on it. Sometimes people don't know, don't really know how to, how to, uh, relate to it. Right. Especially the way it gets characterized in media. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it was interesting to me cause I was like, okay, I definitely am interested to know more about this. Right. Well, what was really impactful, too, is like that was actually a really important trip for me, too. So it was like when I look back on it now, two really I was just thinking about this earlier today, actually, two really significant moments in my life center around, you know, music and the subject that we're talking about tonight. And I guess my point is, is that uh, it feels very meaningful and uh, 
one of those like convergence. I don't know. I just got really deep there, but uh, I love it. You know, get deep. Is it the scotch? Is it the scotch getting you deep? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the scotch. You know, I had a long day. I I just sat through a long meeting. It was a meeting that had to happen, but it was just like it was just life sucking. So it's really good to be sitting here and like and you know talking about uh, interesting things here. Okay, cool. So first of all, I'm just going to explain what Parkinson's disease is. It's a brain disease which in which the the cells that create dopamine, which regulate movement and mood, mysteriously die off. They don't really know what why they do or what causes it. There's some pesticides that can cause it, but that, that usually is for like people that are around farming, like a lot a lot of farming. I was I there was really no red flag in my history, not even in my family history. I've got a pretty large extended family, and only one great uncle on my mom's side had PD and he was like 70 when he got it. So nobody knows what causes it. I mean, there's a lot of research going into that. I've got some theories I can get into in a little bit. Is it fatal? No, it is not fatal. I've had people tell me things like, um, like along the lines of, well, are you, are you dying or how does it feel to be dying? I'm not dying. It's not fatal. It basically just, slows you down and limits your mobility and later the later stages of the disease it can manifest itself like you see michael j fox he's he's probably the most famous person with parkinson's he he squirms a lot that's the effects of the the long-term effects of the medicine you have to take essentially um with no dopamine you can't move and you have to take pills to replace the dopamine, but it's it's kind of synthetic, so it doesn't really give you that natural movement. It can create some jerky movement, some side effects. Thankfully, I, I'm on a low dose, so uh, my side effects are limited. It is an unpleasant thing to deal with, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of days that I'm just like, I mean, I, when I was first diagnosed, I used to say, why? Why? What? What happened? What did I do? I I didn't really have any vices. You remember I was pretty active as a, as a teenager and yeah. as early. I was skateboarding in my twenties. Um, mm. I played in bands. I was always out doing stuff. I didn't do drugs or drink at all really until my late twenties. And only with the drinking on that, I didn't I didn't do any drugs at all. So I there was this period I went through with like, what did I do to deserve this? What happened to make me a young man? Um, my first symptoms started to appear around the age of 32. What what did I do to make this happen? Well, they don't know, and I didn't do anything. It's just they don't know if it's genetic or nature versus nurture. Or I, guess, I guess that's the wrong way to put it, but you know what I'm saying. Whether It's like environmental. or So it was really confusing for me. So um, just to throw it back to you for a minute, what would be your first thought if you were diagnosed with Parkinson's? Would you go through like a self-blame thing? Like, did I do something to deserve this? That's a really interesting question. Because I felt I felt like I did something to deserve it. I must have drank too much soda or... I don't know. That, that was my only vice, really, was drinking too much soda. And, I, that, that does, and everybody knows that doesn't cause Parkinson's. But so there's this really weird feeling of, did, what did I do to end up with this? You know, like, people that smoke... Um, a lot of times get lung cancer, people that overeat get diabetes. I mean, there's there's usually a trail mm-hmm. or a lot of times to health problems. There was no there was no red flag, there was no smoking gun for this one. See, that's something that I didn't know about Parkinson's. 
actually two things there really stand out to me um, that you just mentioned. And one of them was that it's caused by, uh, would it be correct to say, a dopamine deficiency? Yeah, your brain can no longer produce dopamine in the levels that are necessary to move and function properly. How interesting is that? I did not know that that's what um, caused Parkinson's. You know, there was a key factor in it. So that's interesting to me. I think we could explore that thought for a long time. The idea that there's something that you could have done to deserve it or make it happen um, or something that you could have been around or, you know, some um, genetic deficiency. I had never thought about that as well. So that's really interesting. So that that must have given you a lot of questions to try and answer. Right? It did. Right? Right? It it did. So I went through a, like a history of different people that have had Parkinson's. I'm just going to drop some names on you. Most of these people were old when they got it. Um, Muhammad Ali was young. He's he's one of the. I think he was in his 30s when he got it. Of course, Michael J. Fox. Um, some of the older people that got a got it. Linda Ronstadt has it. She recently um, came forward with that. I didn't know that. Pope John Paul II, I guess the Pope before the Pope that we have now, or like it was like two popes ago, two <laughs> two popes ago, two popes ago. Yep. He had Parkinson's. Johnny Cash had it toward the end of his life. Wow. Um, I'm, there's uh, Hitler had it toward the end of his life, so I don't really feel sorry for him. <laughs> right. Of course not. The Michael J. Fox Foundation actually paid for me to have some genetic testing. There are a few genes associated with Parkinson's. I don't have any of them. So it's even more of a mystery. My doctor, like you you want a doctor to be able to tell you why this happened. He's like, I really can't tell you. Um, if I had to guess, I went through some some very extreme stress in my personal life for, for several years. I feel like that's when the symptoms started. Now, I mean, I guess it's anybody's guess. But if I had to say um, that was the catalyst that really sparked what became full-blown Parkinson's. Oh, also Ozzy Osbourne has it. He's, he, he, but he also, he's like 70. Now here's another thing about Ozzy. Ozzy's had Parkinson's symptoms for years. This is not a new thing. So, but he was still like 50. So that's, I was like 20 years younger. It was really, really weird. How old are you again? I was 37 when I was diagnosed. 37. Yeah. At 37, like you're still kind of feeling like you're in, in your thirties, right? Like, that's a whole different thing. Like, what was that? What was that like knowing? Can I can I get real deep with you for a second? Go for go for it. That's what that's right. what we're that's what we're here for. All right. You, forgive me. This is not well worded. Um, but what was it like being thirty seven years old, diagnosed with Parkinson's, knowing that you were heading into your forties? It was initially a relief, and it's strange to say that, but let me just preface that by saying. Or follow that by saying, I was diagnosed at 37, but I had nagging symptoms from my early 30s. I can trace it back to 32. I remember I went on vacation and I brought my acoustic guitar with me. And the chords were so hard to make. It was really weird. I was having to put so much force into cording. Now, having... Like tense hands is always, I mean, that's, it kind of, my sitar teacher always told me, he's like, you got to relax. You got to relax when you, so uh, it's not always Parkinson's, but I found like the tension that I could eventually, that I used to be able to just relax and and blow off and then loosen up. I couldn't do it anymore. My hands got tight. 
I was I was putting an enormous amount of effort into to doing D and G and A simple simple chords. This this became an ongoing issue where it ended up creeping up my arm, and I, I had a very I had a very physical job. Um, I found it was hard to get my gloves on. I worked in like a freezer. I couldn't get my gloves on, and I would show people. I was like, "What's wrong with me?" And they would like, "I don't know. I don't know. Just go faster. Go faster." So what they would say. Wow. Yeah, it crept up my arm. I started to have severe shoulder problems, and my thought was that I had a rotator cuff, you know, like some kind of pinched nerve or something. So I went to a lot of doctors. Sure. I won't go. I won't go bore you with all the details, but but basically, I went through testing for on and off for the better part, I guess, of two years, maybe even longer, because initially they thought it might have been carpal tunnel in my hand because I had a very physical job. When I found out that they were giving me an MRI, I realized they were looking for a brain tumor, which is frightening. Yeah, man. That brain, would be scary. Brain tumors, I don't know what the what the odds are, but I don't think they're good on how people like move on, if they ever move on after a brain tumor. I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners could fill us in on that. Then they were looking for MS. And here's the thing. My doctors were not telling me what they were looking for. I had to kind of read between the lines. So when I was finally diagnosed at the age of 37, basically after suffering like this old man, people would say, like, why are you why are you moving so slow? You look so old. And I would say, I feel so old. So basically, it had been about five years, maybe even six, of wondering what was wrong with me. So when I found out it was Parkinson's and I found out there was pills that could relieve the symptoms i got to tell you the first thing that popped into my mind was relief think about it what would you i mean als brain tumor what would you rather have parkinson's or a A, which won't kill you or als or brain tumor which a lot of times is fatal put yourself in my position oh and i just i just had a child so my my son was uh about eight months old when i was diagnosed really rough time so what do you do with that what do you do with that information it's interesting, man. Um, yeah, I think that I agree with you if I was faced with that type of choice, because I think that like, yeah, I, you know, you have a, you have a kid on the way, especially and you're like, you start to like wonder, you know, what that's going to be like, or I guess if you'd be there. Right. So I think that that's something that a lot of people uh, can relate to and understand. I think, you know, what's been amazing too is just how much you've attacked this thing. That's awesome. That's the only way to be. And one thing that my doctors have told me, and and I'm somebody that wants to be educated about my condition. So I've read a lot for our listeners who want to go and learn about Parkinson's. The MichaelJFox.org is a great website. But the best way to combat it is to move, to constantly move, to stay active. Because, I mean, just think about it. Just like a regular person, you sit in a chair for four or five hours, you get stiff, right? You got to get up. Mm -hmm. Imagine having your muscles be in a permanent state of stiffness, and then you don't move on top of that. It's terrible. So you basically have to have an attack dog mentality. You have to just grab it by the short hair and just say, you're going to win some days, but I'm going to win some other days. And just be, know, know your limits. Like that, I, I think that's the thing that maybe I don't know is coming across yet, but I want people to know that are hearing this is like you are methodically relentless in not only um, accepting what needs to be done, 
but also like able to keep like this dark sardonic humor about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's it's just really inspiring and cool, dude. And I, that's gonna, that's important for people to know, I think. Well, anybody who's known me knows I have a bit of a gallow sense of humor. I'm, I'm always, I find the darker jokes to be really intensely funny. And I'm usually the first one to make a PD joke, shaking, stiff, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to, you know, make fun of me for. I'm, I'm, I'm going to beat you to the punch. <laughs> so here's the tricky part. Once I was diagnosed, how do I tell people? How do you tell somebody that you have a disease which they won't understand? Um, I'd been off work for a while, finally diagnosed. I came back. I was able to go back to work for two years. Probably shouldn't have worked that long. It was really hard on me, but I did. And I, I was up front. Yeah. I've got Parkinson's. I'm going to have good days and bad days. Eventually, I'm, I didn't really say this, but I was kind of read, like trying to hope they would read through the lines. Eventually, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do this for another 10 years. For the most part in my personal life, I've always just been very honest about with people. I didn't tell a lot of the neighbors because I, I just don't feel it's like their business. Some of them found out, and I don't really care if they know, but for the most part... It, Nine times out of ten, I tell people right off the bat because initially you can kind of hide your symptoms, but eventually it gets to the point where the medication is not as effective, usually around the two to three to four to five year mark. My medicine stopped being effective enough for me to work two years after. Um, But once again, I'm going to throw it back to you. Do you tell people right away or do you hide it? What's your initial reaction? Are you asking me whether I think you should or not? No, no. Whether- what what would you do personally? Would you hide it or would you be honest? Oh, I think that uh, I think that I would just be honest. I, I don't think there's any reason to hide it. I think that you know, just, just like I said earlier, like you know, you're my lifelong friend who just happens to have Parkinson's, and you're someone who manages it um, well. You know, I, you know, it's and I'm sure it's like with anything that that you have to you know, face like that, that's a, that's a physical ailment. You know, it has its moments. We've talked about things like that. Oh, there's, I I just think, go ahead. There's definitely moments where it gets the better of me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't want to paint too paint too rosy of a picture. For instance, there's times where the medicine, you take it like you're supposed to, and it doesn't work there. Maybe you, maybe you ate too much. Like if you have a full stomach that can affect it. Maybe you didn't drink enough water. Maybe your your body just says, "Nope, not gonna, not gonna work right now." So that can be discouraging, and it definitely keeps you from going out in public a lot if you don't really know. I generally take my pills every hour and a half or so. So that's not mm-hmm. a that's not a huge window of time to do stuff. And when I am on, so to speak, my legs sometimes don't work, and it's really hard to explain. But basically, the the medicine, one of the side effects of the medicine is it causes cramping in my legs, which makes it very difficult to walk. Now, you would say, well, what's the good of the medicine? Well, that's the thing. It enables the rest of my body to work fairly well, and it gives me some mental clarity. That's one of the hidden side effects of PD is the mental fog that can come on. That was that was another one of the troubling la- the later symptoms that I had. I would literally just in the middle of the day hit like a wall of fog and it was really really frightening. For instance, I was on my was my my wife said go she wanted me to go to the store. So I went out to warm up the car. 
I came inside, didn't feel good, laid, laid down, forgot the car was running. Four hours later, the neighbors called and said, your car's running in the driveway. Really freaky stuff like that. Just so fatigued, I literally could not get up, and I just totally blanked on the car being running. So on a mental side, I do need the dopamine. It also eases some of the depression that comes with. Imagine dopamine is the pleasure neuroconductor. Yeah. With no dopamine, the normal things that would make you happy, I, that's that's nothing. I would go for a walk. I would do things that normally made me happy. Black. Black hole. I knew something was wrong for a long, long time. And that's another reason, reason I was relieved to find out what I had was treatable, at least in the short term, because life had lost all joy and all meaning. It, I felt like I was in a black hole all the time. And it would... And it's it's difficult to explain, and I know maybe some of our listeners have suffered from depression. And just because you're depressed doesn't mean you have Parkinson's, but it does mean your dopamine is not, or, or your serotonin and your dopamine is not functioning for whatever reason. Everybody's got their own issue. But yeah, that can cause all sorts of in, in its own set of things like uh, panic attacks and general anxiety, things like that, right? Yeah. Um, so long story short, I after two years, I had to resign from my job. And that was hard. That was the the hardest. It was harder than going in and telling people I was sick. It was harder to leave and have to admit I couldn't do the job anymore than it was to tell people I was sick. Because I worked with Teamsters, kind of manly, like macho type stuff. And they they used to tell me, they, they had a nickname. I won't say it on the air, but it was basically slow-mo something. It rhymes with slow-mo. I don't want to say the word on the air. But they would say, "Why are you moving so slow?" You're, it's, it, and I and I, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I saw I saw a, like film of myself, and I'm like, "What is wrong with me? Why am I moving so slow?" I mean, I was like, "What happened?" Well, no dopamine or low dopamine, you're going to start moving slow like an old man. But after I quit my job, this is kind of this is it's it's kind of a sad story, but I'm going to make it funny. I thought, what can I do? I can't work driving forklifts anymore. Maybe I can work at a movie theater. I love movies. Makes sense. I love movies. Love movies. That's one of the things that really sucks now is I can't go to the movie theater with COVID. They're all, I mean, I don't know. They're all shut down. I love movies. So I got a job at a movie theater. I walked in and I, I did the application. I passed with flying colors because all you have to do is be able to count by 25s for quarters. <laughs> and I told the guys, like, listen, I've got Parkinson's. I can still work, but I can't, I can't be at the register doling out money. It's just going to be really frustrating for me. He's like, that's fine. Go to my first day of work. What do they do? They put me on the register. The guy that hired me is not there, but I'm not, I'm not going to weenie out. I'm going to man up and try as my best to do it. Even though I'm fighting panic the whole time. I'm like, what, what happens when I get up to the register and I can't get the change out or my medicine starts to wear off and I don't have like a place to go for five minutes to, you know, collect myself. Well, it was a disaster. Because everybody there knew something was wrong with me, but they didn't know what was wrong with me. And I got laughed off the line. We were I was supposed to change the soda, like the soda canisters for the big, like the soda dispensers. And I couldn't unscrew the nozzle. And this chick, it's not her fault. She was like 18. She was a dumbass. She starts laughing at me, pointing at me. And I think she was high. I'll just be honest. I think she was high. She pointed to me and goes, you can't even unscrew a soda soda nozzle. And at this point, I'd been there two hours. My leg was aching because I had the, the cramping in my leg. I was having a hard time standing. 
and everybody's looking around like they knew something was wrong with me, but everybody was afraid to ask. So just on the first day, you're saying? First day, yeah, because they they put me on the register. Now maybe had they put me back like just on ticket stubs or something, I could have done that. So instead of just walking out calmly, I proceed to walk across the. It's a long walk from the concession stand <laughs> through a mega theater out the front door. On my way out, I ripped my shirt off. I don't literally rip it, but it's pretty WWE. I throw it down on the ticket stand and go, I'm done. <laughs> you should have seen the looks on those poor teenagers' face when they see this guy limping awkwardly toward him, ripping his shirt off and then throwing it on the desk and going, I'm done. I'm the Undertaker. I'm done, brother. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. That That's would- amazing story that was definitely a low point and people said i should have gone back and and begged like to do something else i'm not gonna beg and i knew once i was there i realized how much walking was going to be involved i couldn't do it that was pretty humiliating but i turned it funny i really did i i just i don't want people to feel sorry for me i hate when people feel sorry for me my life is good dude sure i'm sick sure there's a lot of things i can't do and you've been over here i have fun i have fun it's not it's not ideal. There's a lot of, there, and I definitely, if I'm having a bad day, I don't really want to have people over and our bad moments within a good day. Who does? But you got to fight it, dude. You can't just lay down. And one thing I would also say to people that are maybe having physical issues, 99 times out of 100, it's not Parkinson's. Mine happened to be Parkinson's. And I had a sneaking suspicion because you know how you go on WebMD and you can find out your symptoms. Oh, that's the worst. But dude, I was right. I, when I typed in my symptoms into WebMD, it said Parkinson's disease. So w- when the neurologist came back with a diagnosis, I wasn't entirely shocked. I knew the slow movement. I didn't really have a tremor. That's another thing. People really associate Parkinson's with tremor. I do now, but it's years after. Um, slow movement, stiffness, groggy, trouble with my hands. So I was not entirely surprised. I know it would sound like a like a like a life destroying diagnosis but i really felt like there's a pill i can take and it'll give me a few more years or whatever and that's when i really became proactive and i'm like i'm not gonna let this thing knock me out i mean eventually yeah eventually something's gonna get all of us and i i get that i mean nobody's gonna live forever but i'm gonna fight it as long as i can i walk i exercise i stay active mentally and physically as much as i can i got a a hyperactive (laughs) eight-year-old Which keeps me, which keeps me running. So I want to, I want to throw it over to you, and I want to, I want to see what questions you might have, because I know this is stuff we've kind of talked about before, but you may have questions about it, like medication or side effects or things I can or can't do. So I'm going to throw it to you, Sam Wade, and now it's your turn to talk, because I've been talking for thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, first of all, um, th- you're not done talking. No, okay, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm I never got, done talking. You never did. That's the that's the truth of the night. Neither one of us stopped talking. And uh, I actually got, I think, I'm like four or five questions here for you that that uh, you know just came to me while I listened to everything that you just uh, described. I mean, you went deep, man. Um, I think that's where I want to start. Then you know, like I thought, I, I still think what's amazing about all this, you know, for me as your friend and just as like, you know, your peer and just seeing you're hearing your voice on this thing. 
and not to be trite, but it's like you definitely approach it with like a positivity that I think really uh, influences your outlook of how, you know, how your progress and your, your, you know, living your life is affected by it. And I'm curious about this too. Like, like, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about like more about your philosophy on why you approach it that way. And I'm curious, is it because there was more, did, did it help having a voice out there with like, you know, Michael J. Fox or like some of these other people being easier to talk about, but where do you come from when you're like, you know, screw this, I'm just going to live my life and like make this work somehow. Like, where do you come from with that? Well, I will say, first of all, Michael J. Fox is a huge inspiration. He just keeps going no matter what. And he's actually going through some rough things right now, which had nothing to do with Parkinson's. He had like a spinal, like a tumor on his spinal, spinal column and he broke his arm. But it's funny because people that have known me for a long time realize I'm such a pessimist. I'm always like, it's good. It's all over. Put up the side, go to the store, it's all over. But for the first time in my life, I don't know, it sounds sounds jacked up, but I was right that I was sick. Nobody believed me for years. I was telling my wife and my friends, I'm not right. Something is not right. Oh, you're fine. You just need to take vitamins. So it's almost like there's a kind of dark victory. (laughs) And having been right, I know it sounds jacked up. But besides that, my family is what really gives me the sense of optimism. I can't lay down. I can't stop doing my life, my podcast, my music, whatever I can do, whatever my body will allow me to do at the time. I can't stop because my family needs me. And I don't know if I'd be so optimistic if I didn't have a, a wife and child who'd love me dearly. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense, man. And that's, that's a very good answer, you know, because I, I think it's it's it, there's more than just Parkinson's being talked about here. Right. There's more than that about your outlook on life. I mean, I see you as someone like me that, you know, we own our own existence and this is what we have to work with. So let let's let's make it good and uh, and love other people with it, too. And, you know, and. It's like the real side of the hippie stuff, the people that, that don't understand it. Like, they, why do you want to focus on love and acceptance and positivity? Like, that just sounds like, you know, horse shit. I think that that's a lie, and I think that the, that they're scared. Well, right? But I believe that when – one other thing I'll say about it, sorry. One other thing, you know, I, I remember what Bill Hicks said in his, you know, life is just a ride thing. Have you ever seen that? No, I have not. Well, we should post something about that. And it's almost like this life philosophy I started thinking about. He says, you know, he's this big, long, long monologue, and it boils down to this thought. Like right now, right now, um, you have a choice between fear and love. And I see every kind of uh, situation being boiled down to that point. One of the things I wrote down was don't fear the future. And I will say this. I have not really talked about this, and I don't know how much we will talk about it at some point. I'm sure we will get to it. I had to fight for my freedom from my family and from some of the really deep, dark dysfunction. And I'll be damned if I'm going to give up now, now that I've got my own family and, and it's different. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so what's your, what, do you, what, what other questions you got for me? Well, I was just kind of curious, um, you know, how, 
how does this affect playing music now? Right? Because we just got done recording, you know, four awesome songs that you you that we both performed on. And uh, we're already planning more music. And one of the things you played on that was sitar. We've talked about that on the show before. But, you know, you're a multi-instrumentalist, too, and you're a songwriter. So what's it? What's your approach like with this? Like, how has it influenced it? I will say this. It is a lot more difficult than it used to be. But the medication does give me windows where I can do things. Sometimes the windows will be short. For instance, the guitar solo I did on the Drifter, I had about... 15 minutes where my body was doing exactly what I wanted it to do. And that's all I need. I only need, I only, I, I kind of worked out the solo ahead of time and I did, I'd send some, I, I recorded some stuff. So I knew what I was going to do. 15 minutes is all it took. I think I did two passes. I think I doubled it if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. Yeah, you did. Yeah. So I, it's like, it's like picking your windows. It's just like anything. Like if I have to get up and get something, I can't always do that. I'm fortunate enough that I my I can I can read my body signals when I can get up and do stuff. So it's kind of like music, singing, playing. Take your window. There are windows. They're smaller than they used to be, and I'm sure they'll get smaller with time. I'm I'm realistic about that. But that does not stop me from using those windows to play. And uh, frankly, it's it it's exhausting to play. But I but it's a good exhaustion. It takes a lot of work, but anything that's worth doing is worth the pain. Right on, man. It's interesting you have little windows. You make the most of those windows, I'll tell you that, because the tracks that you send back are always really great and inspired, which is important to me as a producer is that um, I want to capture that spark of inspiration and put that on the on the record, on the recording. You know what I mean? Like instead of just making sure it's played perfect, if it's played with your heart and it's almost perfect – it actually becomes perfect in my mind because that's the way that it fits into the music because it has an honesty. Well, anyway. that, that's that's the best way to look at it is like I do what I can, and I mean we know we know when it's when it's a keeper, and I'm always the first one to hear the missed notes or whatever. But that's why I generally spend, I would say, for every minute of recording, I spend probably an hour or two of rehearsing. That doesn't mean it's going to take me an hour or two to get it done. Maybe I re- maybe I rehearse for an hour or two and then have 30 seconds where everything falls to place. That's all I need, man. I don't need I don't need any more than that. Just just give me a minute or two. We're not talking about like symphonies here. We're talking about basically tracks which which that's why I couldn't do live, but I definitely I've got enough good moments to do it and it's it's yeah. so it's so exhilarating when I hear it played back and I'm like Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. That's great cuz the you know, it is true. The 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 music that we make is like it's assembled like each little piece goes together to make like a whole picture. Like the it's it's very rare that one thing stands out 100%. Like there's a few things to kind of key into. Uh which is cool. You know the the idea of like catching that window makes me think of like trying to get a shot for a film um right at magic hour before it gets too dark. That's you the per- that's about? the that's the perfect way to look at it because I do a little film editing and stuff as well. And sometimes the lighting's just not right and you got to pick your moment. And I'm by no means an expert at picking your moment because I look at some of my films and I'm like, "Oh god, the lighting's horrible." <laughs> but 
But I'm always about capturing the soul of the performance more than the perfection. And I rely on you as my mixing engineer to get the perfection out of it. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, I, I think we did something pretty good and I'm excited to to work on this next thing, you know, that we're 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 developing now. And so at some point in the future, you know, our listeners will get to hear what that is. I'm excited about it too. So okay, so uh, earlier on you were talking about um about dopamine and about how that affects Parkinson's, right? Yes. So I'm curious, right? Like as as we were talking about, uh, it's it, it's a, it's caused by a dopamine deficiency. Now let's say somebody out there, okay, and so this is like a loaded question to understand more about medication. But let's say let's say somebody out there was able to. Um, discover a way, let's say, to make the body regenerate to the point where it started producing dopamine or that genetic code was fixed um, in the machinery of our body and the computer that it is to start producing dopamine the way it's normally supposed to. Would that reverse the disease and could the body repair itself after certain point of time having that deficiency in the body do you know well that's where we get into the whole concept of stem cells i know people with parkinson's and it's been in the news stem cells are kind of like the the magic bullet a lot of people felt a few years ago the problem with stem cells is you're putting cells in the brain it's it's almost like an organ transplant Okay. Your, your body's got to accept the cells, and how much more potentially risky is it putting the cells in your brain that that may turn cancerous? That's that's a, that's a fear. A lot of research is is going into now, not so much curing Parkinson's, although that is the goal. My my doctor works in the the disease modifying field, which means he's looking for a way to stop it or slow it. That's where a lot of the energy is going right now because to rebuild the human brain is beyond difficult. I've heard it said that we are one or two Einsteins away from understanding how to rebuild the human brain. Look and think about it. It's it's the building blocks of life. It's who you are. If you could rebuild the human brain, if you could reverse Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and like all these other diseases, you literally have got the key the fountain of youth. So I'm not I'm not ruling out a cure. There certainly is plenty of money going into that. I don't want to sound discouraging to those people. But my doctors told me in so many words, well specifically, I think it's more realistic to expect better and better treatments to replace the dopamine and to stop or slow the disease than to reverse the damage and fix you. And I'm very realistic about the fact that we're dealing with the most complicated problems that mankind has ever faced. And even Michael J. Fox, when he first got diagnosed, he, he made his, his foundation. He said, we're going to cure Parkinson's in 10 years or we failed. And then after 10 years, he goes, we're going to in 20 years or we're failed. Well, it's not that simple to rebuild the human brain. Right. So... I'm I'm hopeful for better treatments and ways to stop it and slow it. One of the key things of slowing it is exercise, which we've we've talked about before. But 
here's the thing, and this is the last note I wrote on my page. Don't fear the future. The future, to quote Mist, is unwritten. <laughs> the future is, is unwritten. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, two years from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now. So to get too excited or too down in the dumps over something that may or may not happen, you're winding yourself up for either disappointment or, yeah, for disappointment. That's the best way I can put it. It's just like, okay, when we put this EP out, my expectations were that people would listen to it and love it. Yeah. I didn't have a number in mind. Obviously, the more the better. I mean, I, I want everybody to hear it. Hell, I want, I, want, I want everybody in the world to hear what we did. I think it's that good. But I'm realistic. I just want, I don't have a number. Like I said, I just want people to listen and enjoy it. As far as my life goes, I just want to live my life and enjoy it as long as I can. Expect bumps in the road, but I'm not going to live my life in fear. And that's funny coming from a guy broadcasting from a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's advice that anybody can use for anything. How do you know you're going to have a job in a month? How do you know you're not going to get COVID next week? How do you know you're not going to fall down the stairs drunk? You just don't know. Now, I would suggest not getting drunk to the point where you can't walk. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You can't live your life in fear. And that's funny because the way I was raised was all about fear. Fear this, fear that, fear the devil, feel, fear the outside, fear the government. Fear going to hell, fear, fear not praying enough, you know, yeah. Fear, fear, fear. And I finally got fear. to a point in my life where I'm like, I'm not living in fear. And here's the thing. I've got more reasons than most to be afraid. But yet somehow I'm just like, I'm like Johnny Depp. In the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie, where the Kraken comes up and he sticks out his sword and he's like, come get me, you whatever verb or whatever noun you want to use. And it swallows him whole. I'm going to go down swinging, bro. I know you will, man. I have no doubt about that. That's, you know, that's that's the the truth about like anything could change. Anything can happen. I, I more and more I've had so many crazy things happen in my life too that like would be make a really really interesting story i should write down sometime and it's like you don't really know what's going to be around the corner but i i definitely get that sense from you that you have kind of a fearless approach you go rando nodding listen to listen to the previous (laughs) listen to the previous episode or whatever gets posted you go rando nodding you type in like send me somewhere random on my cell phone and hope and pray you don't get mugged that's you're yeah, not. If you didn't hear our episode about that, you got to go back and listen to that one because that one was pretty wild, right? Yeah. But fear, I don't know. I see so many people, and I guess I guess a lot of it comes from my upbringing, just locked up in fear. It does, I'm not fearless, though. No, there's no such thing as fearless. If you're fearless, then you're dumb, because there are yeah, plenty of things to be afraid of. That's right. You just, I just don't stop at fear, because it's just fear. There's something beyond that, right? Now you want to put me in a shark tank next? Nope. I'm gonna I'm gonna call an audible on that one. I'm gonna say no. I'm not doing. I'm not call that play in from the from the sidelines. I'm not getting in the shark tank. No, we're gonna have to coach. We're gonna have to run another play because I'm not getting in there. I do have limits. I don't want to say I'm fearless, but considering how much I have on my shoulders, I really feel like 
I don't know. I think my gallow sense of humor is my dark Alfred Hitchcock sensibility really helps me with Parkinson's. And it's, it seems counterintuitive why somebody with a dark outlook on life could like take Parkinson's. It's like, I told you, I told you something bad was going to happen. I'm right. You all were wrong. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I love it because you're not also you're you're also not being like, okay, so what else is wrong now? You know, you're like, okay, I knew that there was something off, so let's let's go on on now. Oh, let's I've go, got I've got happens. enough wrong with me. I don't need it. I I don't want to go to the doctor now because I'm like they're gonna find something else wrong. <laughs> oh man, well, you know, we could get hit with a solar storm tomorrow too. You know meteor could hit us exactly one just passed on friday the 13th you know that one like got really close to the earth and they didn't even see it until it was close to there oh I, like, I got a friend whose name is Catherine that that is all about asteroid strikes so i'll have to uh she probably knew about it she just didn't call me and tell me because she didn't want to worry me i'm like i got parkinson i don't, <laughs> I, don't care. <laughs> I love it dude all right but this is a great episode. this is a great it's episode a- dude yeah, I I really uh, I think that we uh, we talk about something really interesting there, man. Well, uh, that'll be fun to listen to like a year from now too. Well, right? we're, we're also creeping up on the fifty-one minute mark, so this is officially our longest episode ever. Well, once you edit out all of my uh, 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 stuff that I was saying, then it'll be even better. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you can edit that word out too. For two tape decks and a mixing board, I'm Jay Mack in St. Louis. Sam Wade in Los Angeles. Saying stay Stay cosmic. cosmic.